You're listening to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast, brought to you by Vespa, nature's catalyst for optimizing fat metabolism. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast, and I'm your co-host, Peter Defty, here with the, today with the lovely Naomi Land from Tomorrowland in Aussie Land. Hey, Naomi. G'day. How are you, Faith? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And we have a, we have one of those true life athletes on today, um, Lindsay Boston. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Okay. Well, let's get you started. Um, Nomi, why don't you take this one? Sure, Lindsay. It's so good to have you here. I've heard quite a few great things about you. So let's start. Um, give us a brief outline about who you are and what you've done and where you've come from. Okay, so pretty much I've been running my whole life since I was about 13, so the last 20-something years. Um, Then I got into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well and most recently into some CrossFit for cross-training and conditioning. So... um, so you started running like middle school cross country and track? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> Eighth grade cross country. Yeah. And I just never stopped. Oh, wow. 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 That's pretty good. Yeah. So, so I so just tell, did the like yeah. lighter cross country running when I was younger. And then after having kids, um, that's when I started getting into like half marathons and the longer distances and more difficult races. So what have you done um, in those races? What, Where have you come from and um, what's been your journey? Well, I w- in middle school and high school, of course, I ran a lot more competitive. Um, and as an adult, I just got into it uh, more for fun. But of course, as I got into the harder races and the longer distances, I got introduced into the world of the you know, carb loading and all of that pre-race stuff and pre-race things that we do. So um, then I did start getting a little bit more competitive over the last few years with my races, but I've had a change in thought on the on the carb loading aspect of, of racing and endurance sports. So did carb loading work for you, do you think? I... I don't really think it was working for me because I was continuously having to keep fueling while I was running and I never really felt like I had a lot of good energy going out on those runs. Uh, And I was always hungry. So, I mean, I always had to have food with me when I was running. Um, I couldn't just go out and go run for an hour, two hours and just go run if I didn't have like supplements or food of some sort with me to to keep refueling as I went. So sure. so let's provide some context here, Lindsay. Um, you don't have to reveal your chronological age, but you're you have you've got some children, right? What what ages are they? I have thirteen, sixteen, and eighteen. Okay, so you've got three three down, and then you got a husband too. So you got a fourth kid, right? Yep. For the last 19 years. <laughs> yep, yep. See, so you got 14, 16, and 19. Um, 
So you've got, you know, you've got your hands full and you, you work a full-time job, correct? I do. I'm a business analyst, so I work full-time. Okay. What, 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 uh, what area do you, are you an analyst in? I do software, so business software analyst. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, so, you know, we want to kind of place this in context so that, that the audience can sort of relate to who we're talking to. You know, you're, you're like, you know, what intrigued me is, is, you know, your journey. So you started out as a cross country, um, runner in middle school and, and went through high school and all that. Were you at that time, where, where were you raised? Um, I've been born and raised in Reno, Nevada. I've, we're oh. still here. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's not a bad place. So you never, being, being born and raised in Reno, you probably didn't fall into becoming a vegan very easily, did you? Uh, well, I did not, but I will say that I did not eat meat until my early 20s, just purely for the fact I did not really like it. It wasn't a vegan thing or an animal thing. I just really didn't care for me, and it wasn't until um, later in life that I really started eating meat. And uh, it, that was even in moderation until probably yeah, the that, last four did, years. Did that, did that start uh, with pregnancy and things like that? No, it was after pregnancies. It was after all oh. of that. Yep. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, but you, but so you, but you were, you weren't veget, you were vegetarian, but you were eating very little meat. But you were eating like what? Yeah, I would Eggs, say I was cheese. like a pescatarian. I would okay. eat fish, and I would eat, like, cheese and eggs and things like that. I just didn't really like pork, beef, even chicken, anything like that. I think I was probably the only kid growing up that was going to restaurants ordering salads. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, but you weren't necessarily avoiding it or anything like that, and you weren't, you weren't caught up in the whole low-fat craze too much, or were you? No, I don't think I was ever caught up in a low-fat phase. I... I, it did take me some time to realize um, the differences in fats. And that some are actually really good for us. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, super. Um, anyway, so let's uh, kind of move along. So what's the, what's the longest distance you've run so far? 30 miles. I've run 30 miles in training. I've, I've done plenty of preparation for marathons um but i've yet to been able to actually participate in one but i have trained from and i've i've trained for a 50k um with some other friends that i have that run okay well super um so tell us about you know what's been going on the last couple of years you got into um brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and crossfit yeah, I got into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu three years ago, just over three years ago now. Um, and I kind of took out the gate running with that one. I did my first competition after just two months of training. And last year I did about 17 competitions. Then I took about 10 months off of competing from that just for health-related issues and some injuries. And so I've recently gone back to competing in the last couple months. I've done four competitions since the end of September and two races. And um, how has your eating over that period of time changed and how are you doing with that? 
When I first started training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, I had just started eating paleo. I just transitioned into eating paleo. Um, I had read Rob's book, and there was a lot of stuff in there that jumped out at me that addressed medical issues I faced, and I pretty much changed my diet overnight and went to the paleo, and I had a lot of improvement from that alone, um, but I had some other residual issues I, I wasn't seeing results from, and so I followed up a little bit more with Rob on some of that stuff, and that led me to the autoimmune protocol diet, and then about a year later to the ketogenic diet, which I've stuck with now since. And, and how are you feeling? How are you feeling on it? I love it. I went off it for yeah. two days yeah. at one time, and I was like, I want my food back. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, It really made me realize how good my body feels without carbs and, and how much carbs were really lag, making me lag. So. so does that mean your performance as well? How, do you, how are you performing? My performance the, has the, um, my performance has improved all around running, jujitsu, and CrossFit. I never did CrossFit without being on the ketogenic diet, so I can't compare the difference there. But um, I do well throughout the entire class. I do very well, and okay. and I'm seeing. Tell us about. Go ahead. Tell us about this last weekend. Yeah, this last weekend I had a jujitsu tournament and. Without really any warning, I got moved up in weight and down into the adult division. Um, and so I had three matches there and took gold. So <laughs> it was a good weekend. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and that, you know, because normally you would, you would um, uh, grapple in the masters, female masters. Yeah, usually I would grapple in the Masters 118-pound division, and I grappled in the adult 130. Wow. How, how does that happen? Explain to us how you got moved around, because um, you, have to, you have to kind of weigh in and cut weight and all that, and I'm assuming that you were able to make the lower weight class, but you got moved up anyway? Right. I made weight for the lower weight class, but there was no other competitors that registered for that weight division or age bracket so in order to still be able to compete I had to compete in the in the adult division at 130 so wow you you were able to to smoke it no matter what huh yep pulled pulled through <laughs> I felt great <laughs> it, it was amazing to watch like at the end of the finals you know people were commenting on on the other girl being so winded and done and and I just walked off the mats like I mean I left it all out there but I I had more to give if I had more matches after that I could do more matches after that that's incredible and how did your coach feel about um, this and your friends so I guess you've been talking about it and your improvements and things like that yeah, um, my coach supports all of all of the dietary things. My coach himself and several other people at the gym, they're into um, like a lower-carb paleo-type diet. So, they, And they really understand and support all of that. 
So, so it is catching on, isn't it? It is. I think a lot oh. of people see those results. I mean, you can't deny how you feel. So, I mean, once people try it, you, know, you can explain it to people, but once they actually try it and they see how they feel, um, you can't deny that. And nobody likes to feel like garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And are you using Vespa as well? I do use Vespa. I have used it prior to a couple of races now, and I've used it for two tournaments. And I'm starting to implement it. Um, I have a big tournament coming up in January, so I'm going to have a little bit heavier training sessions going on. So I'm going to be using it for some of my training as well. Good, good, good. How did you do in your last that tournament prior? Um, that was a bigger tournament. Was that the one in Southern California or where was it in the Bay Area? Um, that one was in Santa Cruz. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it worked great. I used the Vespa. I won my weight class. Um, and then I took silver in the open uh, the open weight, which is you just don't weigh in. It's just like champions of champions. So those who meddled in their weight class can then compete for an open weight. Yeah, I, re I remember I saw the gal who, who won, won, the, won that, that, that thing, and she was like twice as big as you. Yeah, she gave me, I gave her a good fight. <laughs> but yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So um, if, you, if you wish to share, you know, tell us about some of the, the health challenges you've had, um, particularly the female-related ones. Um, and, of course, if you don't want to, we're, we're, I'm totally cool with that. But, but I think that that's it, – it's – relevant to a lot of the listeners out there and i think that a lot of people really don't get the connection between uh, high carbohydrate consumption and um, its impact on female health right yeah i'm totally open to sharing so i started having a lot of female issues pretty early on um i had three miscarriages. I had my three pregnancies that I did have uh, were very difficult pregnancies. I had a lot of issues and was in and out of the hospital with all of those. Um, after my third pregnancy that I carried, they were able to determine that I had um, severe endometriosis. Um, so I went in and did surgery for that, removed everything. Uh, about six months later, it was back. Um, they went in again. I had my right ovary had a massive cyst that actually ended up rupturing. So I, I had my right ovary removed about eight years ago. And then they ended up, the endometriosis just kept coming back. So they actually removed the lining of my uterus. But... I ended up having andiomyosis, which is where the endometrial lining had actually grown into the walls of my uterus. Uh, the endometriosis had gotten so bad. So they ended up actually having to remove my uterus. And then I still continued. That was five years ago. And for the last five years, I've still continued to struggle with having um, massive cysts or multiple cysts on my ovary that I did have. And... I ended up having that ovary removed back in June. So, which is kind of uh, so how I came across the ketogenic diet was because, um, unfortunately for me, I found out too late 
about the ketogenic diet and um, I was probably all my years of running and carb loading actually doing some of the damage. Um, so unfortunately for me, I found out a little bit too late about the link between endometriosis, PCOS, and high carbohydrate diet. So. Yeah, well, yeah, by getting that out there with other other people in the audience, you can probably help a lot of other people because, you know, uh, this is something I had a, a dinner with Stephen Finney and uh, Dr. Paul Mangarelli, and, and Stephen Finney's well-known in the ketogenic community, but Dr. Paul Mangarelli is a um, reproductive endocrinologist, both an MD, PhD, and you know, that one of the things they discussed in that dinner uh, was the fact that endometriosis and PCOS are, are just essentially one female manifestation of insulin resistance. Right. And I had, well, so I had, in April, I had a massive cyst that they went in and removed. And it was at that time I had just found out about the ketogenic and I got my low carbohydrate performance athlete book and I started putting all the pieces together because I you know Rob sent me a few podcasts and a few different things on the links and how the insulin driven um endometriosis and everything like that and then it was just unfortunately it was just too late but um it was a there's a lot of good information out there for people to get to um they're just (laughs) missing it yeah, and I think Rob Rob introduced. Uh, he was the one that connected us, correct? That's when you started. Where we started working together. Yep, where the Vespa came in. <laughs> so yeah, it was like that initial in. starting to get back into distance running without the carbs was, you know, a transition, and and the Vespas helped a lot with that. Yeah, and we've done some other things. I've I've also had you do some other tweaks that are based on the OFM protocol and, and, and of course because you're you know you're responding well to, to a ketogenic diet you don't need that many you're finding you don't need that many carbs right yeah yeah I do probably about 50 to 70 carbs a day yep for your training load that's probably about right so is there anything else that you want to um, tell us Lindsay or share with us no, I don't think so. I th- the only other thing is I think that, um, you know, that I've noticed a huge difference with the vitamin D regimen that um, Peter had me do. Yeah. Do you not get a lot of sunlight over there? Um, we get some, but I have ran very low on my vitamin D. And then even when I've been in the normal range, it's on the lower end. And I noticed a mm-hmm. huge difference. Um after doing doing those regimens and and eating the liver and and I lived through it just fine. I enjoy it actually now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good for you. And um, you know, we'll we'll get you on some other a few other tweaks as we move along here, um, just to get that that fat burning capacity so you could perform on fat. You know, um, even more. You know tweaks them even more because that's that's always the the big uh complaint about you know fat adapted or ketogenic performances you can't perform in you know you can't perform on fat and and i'd have to say if you're doing a strict keto regime 
uh, all the time. There are limitations into how well you perform, but but when you do what we, you know the, the protocol that we're doing, which is which is OFM, that seems to be that nice balance that gets you the performance, the health, you know, on a level that you you can't either get either with carbohydrates or or uh, with just straight hardcore keto. And I and I definitely see that. Um, when I first was trying it out, I was noticing on my runs, I was my muscles felt like they were fatiguing out early, um, but I was really strict on my carbs at that time. Um, I, I hadn't been opened up to, you know, going ahead and having a little bit more carbs the night before, and so with jujitsu training it and drilling and just coming back from surgery it was working okay and as i was really recovering from surgery and really getting back into things um that's when i started to notice there had to be some tinkering there i just wasn't sure what that looked like and for me um i think it's different for every person so it's just been fine-tuning what those carbs look like and when i should have them and how much to have of them depending on what i'm doing so yeah, I think yeah. Yeah. it's all personalized it is. For, um, for each individual person, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And I think the other thing I, I had you do was up your salt um, when you were hydrating, wasn't it? Yes, adding in the S caps for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was another thing. So, yeah, no, it, it's it's just really great to see somebody who's you know a full got a full time career, got three kids, a husband, and yet you you're able to to perform at the top of your game and, 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 you know, this is sort of a, a thing of mine, even though I'm a, I'm a throwback male, my part of the, part of my personal goals and challenges with, with the OFM program is really about getting the, the female athlete to perform in this fat adapted way, because it's not just cause I like females, uh, which is, that's another subject, but it's because what I find is the challenges to get a female to really perform well actually hold a lot of clues for males and, and athletes across sports and across genetics because it is just, it's just so much more complex and interesting. And, and I see that um, you get a lot of these, um, there's a lot of this kind of talk right now out there that female athletes need their carbs and, and sometimes I feel that you're sent that the wrong message is being sent out to the athletic female athletic audience saying you know it's it's like I was telling my friend Stephen on my run Sunday it's like telling a, a crack addict it's okay to have cocaine yeah so so tell us about uh, you know but let's let's kind of just little move on about the lifestyle and all um, how do you feel about this as a lifestyle and ha have you implemented this how how well has it gone implementing it in the, in the house and how do you make those adjustments so the family loves the dinners so uh, like all of the ketogenic high fat low carb type dinners that we do you know everybody's pretty well on board with that everybody likes it um my daughter's the house is gluten-free because my daughter she has celiac so we've been in the gluten-free realm for about 13 years now um and then you know i just 
I do my own thing for breakfast. My son, he's he's game on eating sausage and eggs every day, so that's great. And and my daughter and my other son, I'm, I'm still working on them a little bit more. But, you know, we all eat the same dinners. It's easy that everybody just eats the same thing. And, you know, there's really no complaints. Everybody seems to like everything. I think it's the one diet. I don't want to call it a diet, but it's like the one regimen we've done that literally I love everything that I get to eat I don't feel like I'm missing out and everything I make for my family they they enjoy it as well they're just not all willing to give up everything else yet <laughs> so how did you get the buy-in was it because it tastes so good or um do you think that they found that you know you're becoming healthier uh well for them so much too yeah I think to get them to eat it is because it tastes good like who doesn't like butter or bacon or heavy cream right like who doesn't like that yeah. so yeah. you know learning how to make things and then I started it it was summertime so throwing a couple ribeyes on the grill and cooking up some asparagus is like everybody everybody enjoys that so nobody really feels like they're missing out at dinners like that because everybody enjoys what they're eating you know mm-hmm yeah and so what what are your meals like what are your staple meals that everyone loves uh well i make this one dish that is probably everybody's favorite and it's uh we saute up some bacon and we cook up some shrimp and smoked salmon in it we add heavy cream and we have it over like either sauteed spinach or asparagus uh, we'll mix it up quite a bit for the dinners. I'm pretty basic for my main meals. I don't eat a lot of fancy stuff. I pretty much eat about six cups of spinach cooked down and some duck eggs every single day for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you get the duck you eggs? Like do you have your own ducks? No, I have to get them at a, a natural grocery store. I can't well, uh, eat. Do, do they also eat. supply duck fat? <laughs> they do. I have duck lard. Yeah, they sell the du- the Epic duck lard there. Oh wow! So Epic's now selling duck fat too, huh? I just I just got some of their tallow. Oh um, yeah. Boy, they're selling it for a premium, aren't they? <laughs> they are. Yeah, it's pretty dear. It's pretty dear. Well, super. Um, so it's, it's so it's become a very sustainable way of living, hasn't it? Yeah, for me, I, I find it really simple to, to stick to. Yeah, well, and that's what, that's what almost everybody who's been on this for a couple of years says. It's actually the most sustainable, easiest way to, to not just diet, but just live because you just don't have those, you know, hunger triggers and you can make good choices and the food is very satiating. Yeah, I agree with that. So what about what about the what about the holidays coming up? What do you guys got planned for that? Like as far as meals, <laughs> so I do Christmas Eve. So we have Thanksgiving coming up, which is at my mom's house. So um, yeah, for me, it's picking and choosing the right things. I don't I don't prefer to cheat on my diet for just anything. Like if if I'm gonna have something, it's gonna be special that's gonna be something i really like like i'm not gonna just reach for chips or something 
Yeah, it's like I say, if I'm going to have poison, it better be good poison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like oh, it's going to be something I love. <laughs> well, super, superb. Now, you know, one of the things I want to close with is, and why we've got you on the show is we're going to be following your progress and we'll probably have you on down the road because you're combining both uh, distance running with a sport like jiu-jitsu that, that requires, you know, lightning fast reflexes, great motor skills, a lot of aerobic capacity, surprisingly enough, with these, you know, interspersed with these, you know, moments of, of huge anaerobic bursts. So, you know, these are things that, that people, even Rob has struggled to, to figure out how to do on a more fat adapted diet. But um, you certainly are, are proving that, that this, this approach really can work. I agree. And I'll, it does help a lot with the mental clarity and just everything. You know, your focus, um, I feel like is better. And Have you noticed that at work too with your work day? I do. Yeah, because as an analyst, you're sitting there looking at a computer screen, crunching numbers, and you got to make up reports and, and do presentations, I guess. So you really got to be on your game. Yeah, it's a lot of coding and stuff like that. So it is about eight to ten hours a day just on the com staring at the computer. Yeah. Superb. Any, anything else, uh, Naomi? Any other observations, insights, questions we have for Lindsay? I just love Lindsay's story. It's um, so nice uh, what you've been through, and let's hope that um, your endometriosis becomes a lot better as as you go along in your diet. Well, I think that's done, isn't it? I mean, they just they 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 actually just basically took it all out, right? Yeah, I'd, I have I don't have anything left, so I'm actually working on trying to um, you know get all the hormone replacement therapy stuff's situated. I think that's the final piece of the the puzzle there. And I think once that gets all resolved too, I'll, I'll notice improvements as well after that. So they t they're doing a pretty thorough bit of testing on you for both uh, your basic hormones and hormone precursors? So I'm having a lot of difficulty finding a physician at this time for that. There appears to be a shortage of endocrinologists or something in the area, and a lot of them are um, limiting to, like, diabetics and stuff like that. So right now I'm just working with my OB that did all of my surgeries and trying to find um, a good endo to work with to get a more personalized hormone replacement therapy going. Yeah, that's something that has to be really done well and very personalized because um, it's really tricky. It's really tricky to do it right, and a lot of people are just going to prescribe what the general protocol is. So, um, I, you know, yeah, I, I can – go ahead. I'm just finding that a lot of the, the physicians don't see it that way. Like, they don't see the importance of it is the way I feel. You know, like a lot of the – um, just trying to get into a doctor, trying to find one that's taking new patients, and then you find one and they're like, yeah, no, we're, we're not going to take this case. We're just going to take these cases or, you know, it's not really a high priority. It just kind of seems like most people just think you just give them whatever same estrogen patch that you've given every other woman. So it's been a little struggle. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, and, and really it's going to be worth the extra effort to get the right um, endocrinologist. And if you, if you have trouble, just let me know. I'll put you in touch with Dr. Mangarelli. Of course, he's working out of Colorado Springs, and you know, finding a way to get your insurance to pay for it might be, might be an issue. But um, he certainly understands this, particularly from the uh, fat-adapted side of things. Because I worked with his uh, wife, Diane Credenda, and, and when he saw the transformation, the fat adaptation, the light bulb went on about why carbs are so um, deadly. And then the other thing to, to understand is, is as a fat-adapted athlete and doing a pretty, pretty fairly strict um, nutritional ketosis protocol, fat, you know, OFM protocol and being um, active, that you're probably going to need a lot less hormones um, than the, the standard female who's got to fight, who's, you know, the hormone therapy has to fight the insulin load. So, you know, um, it's, yeah, you're gonna, that's kind of what we gotta, you gotta look for. So, but, um, man, kudos to you. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing everything with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay. Well, Thanks again, and uh, another episode, another real-life uh, portrait of, of how fat adaptation works. You are listening to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast, sponsored by Vespa.